Hey everybody, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of the show. This is Missing the Point with Miles David, and I am your host, Miles David. Thank you for tuning back in. Like I always say, if this is your first time listening, welcome to the show. Welcome into the family. And if you are a returning listener, then I appreciate you as always. Today, we are going to be talking and continuing our conversation about the U.S. Open North American summer hard court series that leads up until the last grand slam of the season which is crazy to think about this season in some ways has just flown by in other ways it's kind of crept along but for right now we're going to lean into the fact that it's been a crazy wild win season and the u.s open is just a couple of weeks away and before the u.s open kicks off there is always a tournament north of the border in canada in Toronto slash Montreal. This year, the men were competing in Toronto, the women were competing in Montreal, and just the more you know, they alternate cities every year. I've become aware that some people did not know that, and it's okay if you didn't, but now you can say that Miles David taught you something. And keeping with the theme of North of the Border, I actually brought on a host that is North of the Border in Toronto, Miss Pauline of the The Tennis Stats Twitter account has been so kind to lend me her her thoughts and wonderful conversation on today's episode. So we'll be talking about her experience actually attending the men's tournament in Toronto and the normal tennis conversation, colorful banter that you are accustomed to while tuning into Missing the Point. So um, without further ado, I'm going to let that conversation play. I hope that you guys enjoy it, and I'll be back on the other side to wrap up the show and talk about what we might be getting into next week. Before I do leave, though, make sure that you're interacting with the podcast on all social media platforms at Missing Point Pod. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Clubhouse. I feel like I just missed something, but Type in Missing Point Pod somewhere in your browser history and the podcast and the podcast community that we're building should pop up. So enjoy the show, guys. Another one for the highlight reel. Welcome back, everybody. And I think it's really cool that the podcast is doing some great things and in growing and creating partnerships and collaborations and just tennis niche friendships um at this point all across the globe because i have a guest on the show today from toronto and i'm speaking to miss pauline none other than the tennis stats and the tennis stats is actually a twitter page that i've been interacting with briefly but greatly in the past couple of weeks when it comes to tennis and you actually were at the Toronto tournament that took place in Canada this week and there's a lot to talk about from that tournament so tell us a little bit about the tennis that's Twitter page and like your background in Toronto because I'm interested because we've talked prior to recording and prior to me flubbing up a lot of the things on this recording (laughs) (laughs) we've talked about we've talked about like uh toronto being a really cool place so just tell me about like your your backstory of tennis in toronto and the tennis stats twitter page of course well first off i just wanted to thank you for having me on um it's uh it's an honor to to have met you virtually and and i love things like this that come about 
out of, I guess, necessity due to the pandemic and, and all the foolishness that has gone on for the last year and a half. But a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So sometimes things like this can, can uh, grow and that's always really special. So, um, yes, we did. We, we met over Twitter and I you feel like all were... good, good friendships and a lot of good sporting friendships <laughs> start on Twitter. People yes. have to give Twitter a chance. It's not all just a whole bunch of trolls and stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, Twitter, Twitter is great because I think I mentioned this to you briefly when we were speaking is that, um, I had actually sort of cut off all social media mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um earlier this year you know it'll be a year in october and it's been really great to be completely honest with you but when i made the decision to start the tennis stats um it was essentially something that was born out of the free time that resulted from the last year and a half of the pandemic and whatnot mm -hmm. And so essentially I just, I needed something constructive to occupy my time, occupy myself. And it's been amazing. It's allowed myself to immerse myself into a topic that I've loved dearly for many years now. And I love that I'm getting into the intricacies of all things tennis. And then in addition to that, I've also, I've, you know, started picking up my racket again recently. Yay. So everything, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So everything's kind of coming together. So in terms of sort of my connection to tennis, if you want to hear a little brief yeah. backstory. Let, let us know, because I feel like everybody has a very interesting connection to the sport. And with you being a first time guest on the show, for sure. I would love to know. I would love to have that conversation because I feel like mine is is also equally an interesting story. So what's yours? Yeah, no, of course. It's very special to each person, right? Right, it really is. So uh, I was born and raised in Toronto. And you know that because I don't pronounce either of the T's in <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> how do you pronounce That's it? how you know. I'm a... I'm a you just say Toronto. It's not. Mm. And sometimes if you're really, you'll, you'll hear Toronto as if there's a CH instead of a T mm. at the beginning. But, you know, eventually when you and I meet, we hang out, you'll, you'll learn, you'll pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> when I get back to Toronto for the 2022 women's open goal, mm. might have to put yes. that into the, into the atmosphere because the tournament will be moving back to Toronto because That's the, men, right. the men played in Toronto this year and the women played in Montreal and the, you were in Toronto. Like, That's while, right. While the tournament was being played. And That's right. I definitely wanted you to come on the show to like tell the listeners and I guess make the tournament feel more make it feel more alive, like, because you were actually there. So what were some of the matches that, like, are you're taking with you in your stock of Toronto 2021? Before we even talk about the finalists, what are some, what are some matches that are, like, in your head as we speak? <laughs> well, I mean, to be honest with you, I was just, I was excited to be back because this was a tournament that was canceled last year, of course, due to the pandemic. And so this year, again, to be back, we knew it wasn't going to be at 100% capacity. Most of the grounds were closed off. Um, 
you know, you had to do a health check on your way in. So lots of things being implemented. But again, I'm pro all of these regulations <laughs> as long as well, right. as long as it, it it means that the players are able to have some sort of an atmosphere and some sort of a crowd. And, you know, you could hear pretty much every player at the end of their, you know, during their post-match interview, they would say, we love you guys. Thank you so much for coming out. You guys were great and whatnot. So you could tell it really means a lot to them. Um, now you asked about some of my maybe favorite matches. Mm -hmm. I personally, I think the one that really sticks out for me was Medvedev versus Bublik. And that was a great match. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was one that we were really excited to see. Um, Unfortunately, we only did see the first set and maybe two games of the second set because then we got rained out. It did. And there were some sports of rain in Toronto this go around. Yeah. 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 Sometimes the weather's a little unpredictable, but it was it was honestly amazing because Medvedev, I mean, as we now know, he is the champion at the tournament this year. Um but even without that, I, I was so excited to see him. He's he's an amazing, very electric, very entertaining player. So definitely excited to see that there, and especially knowing that the two of them are of Russian descent. Bublik, of course, plays for Kazakhstan, but there's a really large Russian population in Toronto. So hmm. I knew that the crowd was going to be very supportive and very. Hmm. I did not yeah. know that. I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't pick that up as I was watching Medvedev's matches. But I did mm -hmm. pick up that he is feeling like he's in his groove again. If that makes any sense, like he is looking. Yes. Like he's back on hard courts. The natural court services thing is not like I'm not terrible at it, but it's not like my home base. And he got back to Montreal where he's gotten to the final before and just kind of felt I don't know it felt like I, we were in his playground a little bit did it feel like that mm -hmm. during that early round Bublik match that we were in Nevada's playground if that makes any sense yeah I know of course I mean watching the match was was very interesting because first off and I mean I'm sure you can attest to this because you've been to Indian Wells mm -hmm. right so seeing the players up close and personal just completely humanizes them. Like it's it's not just someone that you're watching on TV that's sort of a celebrity. You know, it, I, I really felt that during any of the matches that I watched, so again, I was there for three days, very grateful to have done that. Every single match, I would cheer for both players. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It, it's very because you, you were you cheering really... for good tennis, you know, like exactly because exactly. tennis was taken tennis was taken away for a while, and then I can only imagine how it feels to like get back and actually see it in action, even with some of the restrictions and mm -hmm. some of the other things that you mentioned. It's it's still an uh, uh, an event that we can safely if if precautions are done correctly we can safely mm -hmm. you know oh 100 percent. I, com I completely feel that and then looking at the players as they practice <laughs> mm -hmm. like i guess mm -hmm. like being around them shanking a ball or just i don't know like them not being through a television screen definitely makes the sport feel more alive and as a fan experiencing that is like you know top two and not number two <laughs> No, of course. No, you're absolutely right. And and it's also, 
you really get to see, for example, I'm going to stray from, say, Medvedev, but I want to talk about Fonini. Mm. Now, Fonini is a very special sort of player. He has this... (laughs) Your face right now says it all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But Fonini is very... He's very athletic and he's very confident. And there was actually a game that my friend and I were playing as we were watching. I said, let's try to name what animal this player would be mm. if they were in the animal kingdom. You know, mm. and we tried to do that for each player and it's it's harder than you might think. What did you come um, up with for Fognini? And then we have to circle back to Medvedev. And possibly yeah. <laughs> the finalist Opelka, because I'm interested to know what animals these, oh, man. these young I men didn't... are. <laughs> oh man, that's actually that's a good one. But um, Fonini, we kind of came up with either like a wolf or a lion, maybe even a snake, only because, and mm. you don't really know, but you don't really see this on TV, or I feel like it doesn't come across, but that man walks around with such a swagger it is very, so funny he's very broad chested yes he? yes yeah. so i mean even like maybe a rooster could you know like saying that <laughs> i don't i don't know that he would love no i don't <laughs> think he would like that but um, <laughs> that was a good one <laughs> but no but that's the thing is is you know i i definitely being at these tournaments you know there's some years where i wasn't able to go because of prior um either you know work or or whatever prior engagements but i really 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 recommend that everyone go to at least one tennis match in your life like live it just it really like you said it brings it to life and and that was really special to me i think everybody should i I definitely think if a tennis tournament is within your grasp check it out whether you are maybe into the sport, like a obvious, like an obvious fan, or maybe a curious fan, or you've been listening <laughs> yeah. to podcasts, you're like, hmm, Miles loves tennis so much. Let's see if there are tickets <laughs> to this event. Like, you know, mm-hmm, just check it out. Mm-hmm. You, might, you, might, you might be pleasantly surprised. Would, would, mm-hmm. Speaking of pleasantly surprised, do you think that Opelka would, would, if you told Opelka that he would be a finalist in Toronto, do you think that he would be pleasantly surprised if you told him that before the tournament started? <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, he made it to the Rome semifinal this year. Earlier this season. Exactly. And he, I remember saying he was surprised. I don't, I don't even know if pleasantly surprised. He was just shocked. He said, (laughs) I don't, I don't know how I was able to get this far because the one thing about Opelka that I've really noticed, especially this tournament is he is so self-aware Right. Mm. Like he was kind of he was kind of trolling the media with saying, yeah, you guys are calling me a serve bot. I know (laughs) what that is. You know, he was kind of so. But I mean, you know what? He does. He does his thing and he does it well. You know, you're going to call him a serve bot. He's serve botting well, you know. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, as of right now, he's made it to a Masters 1000 final. Um, I think I think he's he's doing well. He's the number one ranked American. Right. In terms when the of the rankings men. come out, I think he's going to be the number one. I'm pretty sure he's going to be the number one American, which is, you know, a honor in American men's tennis because mm-hmm. there have been some great world number one ranked American tennis players, you know, so mm-hmm. he's, in, he's mm-hmm. in good company. And, and watching him play this week, 
I was probably the most impressed I've ever been watching Riley Opelka play mm-hmm. tennis, actually. And mm-hmm. it, started, mm-hmm. it started from his first round match with Nick Kyrgios. I don't know mm-hmm. why, but like I kind of put a bookmark there when I thought that they were playing each other for the very first time. And I knew it was <laughs> gonna be like a I knew it was gonna be like a surf fest, but something happened in that match, the very first round match, and it threw Nick Kyrgios off his game. I think Opelka was accused of like hitting the well, Kyrgios basically accused Opelka of touching the net in the middle of the point, which would result in the the opposite of yes. getting the point. But the yes. referee disagreed, as did the cameras. <laughs> <laughs> the cameras did not show the net moving at all. <laughs> and I mean, like, the uh, I feel like if a seven-foot guy, or I, I think what, I think Opelka said he's like, what, six? Six-eleven. Six-eleven. Yeah. If, <laughs> if, if, if he is going to touch the net, I feel like we would all see it. <laughs> so like I don't know. It, it, he, for he I think he silently took or like silently bit his tongue while Curios was like giving the umpire hell while also kind of digging into Opelka's like not intentionally but saying that Opelka was doing something or did something that was against the rules so, so to speak and the way he mm-hmm. kind of just internalized that and went about his business and got like some that win of course threw it over Curios and then several other like very notable wins to get him into the the tournament of his life and and the match of his life you know i just Mm -hmm, i did not mm -hmm. i did not see that coming from riley opelka i'm not terribly upset at it but i did not see it coming (laughs) yeah no a hundred percent and it's funny that you actually bring up the whole umpire issue because the umpire was um or elite that is from France, and she also then got an issue with Medvedev and Bublik. Oh, that was the same umpire, yes. Yes. Hmm. What was her name again? So we can, um, we, we can, we can or, send this to the better, the better Bureau of <laughs> Investigation or something? <laughs> I know, poor Aurelie. Aurelie Tourette of France was just, she got it all. And I, I don't know whether sometimes it is there's sort of like a gender disparity because sometimes you'll see, I, I love psychoanalyzing that as well, but we won't mm-hmm. get into that. But um, yeah, she, she did. She had the issue with Medvedev and calling hindrance and then Bublik didn't know what was going on. And, and, you know, so it's interesting because again, thank God there were automatic line calls at this tournament. So you really realize that there's a lot of time wasted when you have line judges there mm. because you have the player that's kind of thinking, am I, you know, they'll look at the line. Am I going to challenge? Do I challenge? Do I not? Do I try, you know, and they, mm. they're playing that mental game in their head. Then they go ahead and challenge. Then we wait for the child, the line call to be, to be shown right through the mm-hmm. camera. So there's, there's a lot of back and forth. Whereas here, I totally the, the support. The machine is just rotating the system. Yeah, and it's, exactly. And it's largely, largely getting it correct most of the time. Exactly. I think they say there's about a 3% chance that it could be wrong, which, of mm. course, is frustrating, but... What, what, what in life is certain anyway? <laughs> there are a few things in life are 100% certain, so we... I mean, death, we, death and taxes, I was going to say that. I didn't want to be morbid, but I was going to say that too. But hey, it, 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 is, it is what it is. So That's we, right. we've talked about Medvedev a little bit. Shout out to Medvedev again. 
um, if I didn't give him proper congrats, even though I feel like this is a, um, a very, um, a story I'm seeing build before or being, I've seen the story built before and I'm seeing mm-hmm. it again with, with Mevedev getting a hard court, whether it be indoor, outdoor, <laughs> hot, cold, mm-hmm. <laughs> under his feet and really building momentum for the next hardcore Grand Slam. And I really would love to see him go deep again in, at uh, New York because he got to the semifinals in 2020. And of course mm-hmm. that really, really epic final in 2019 against Rafa. So his, his, his brand of tennis, his dynamics, his his everything works with the New York crowd and a hard court. So he mm-hmm. is um, one to watch going forward. Um, I wanted to ask this kind of before, but I've actually been in Toronto while the women's tournament was happening, and mm. I, I was I was there. Though this is this is why I tell you why I was in Toronto. So perfect. I don't know. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast or not, but I was in Toronto twice in 2019. I'm, I'm I think it was twice. I'm not sure if the first time was at the tail end of 2018, but I know I've flown <laughs> into I know I've flown into Toronto twice. I, at, at this point in 2021, time is all construed. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I flew to Toronto twice because I was doing some modeling for a company called Kroger. And I don't mm-hmm. I don't know if a lot of people know about Kroger, but it's like a, a grocery supermarket chain and kind of similar to with the way target has like a supermarket grocery part and they have like where you can go get like workout gear okay. <laughs> at the target. Okay. Yeah. Kroger, Kroger's trying to step into that market as well and i did some i did some modeling for them in toronto and mm-hmm. i like i kind of like toured the city did some sightseeing and that was my first time really getting well, not really that was my first time being a visitor outside of the country so i felt like that mm-hmm. was a, a certain milestone that i crossed and to make ah. to make to make a story come full circle and to make it all like cherry on top moment it could have been a little bit better but this was this was okay it was right smack dab in the middle of the toronto tournament the rogers cup back then um, yes the same year bianca andrescu won it um and i remember yes. watching remember watching the semifinals um in the airport um, and I, I think I actually watched some of the, uh, I think I watched Buscova versus Halep in the hotel. And then I watched Buscova versus Serena, a large portion of it in the, um, in the hotel. And I was like, wow, I wonder how the city feels outside of the airport. So to mm-hmm. make it, to make it all come full circle, like mm-hmm. if you take away a pandemic year, does the city have a buzz First, uh, for tennis in Toronto, whether the, whether it's the men's tournament coming around there, you or the women's tournament. Um, we definitely got Bianca fever when you know in 2019. You could definitely everyone was talking about her. She was definitely on top of minds. Um, now again, I don't have to tell you, tennis unfortunately doesn't have the outreach that say. Um, basketball i was just gonna say i was just gonna refer yeah exactly so the raptors won Mm -hmm. the remind me what do they win nba championships thank you thank you is that what they won (laughs) yikes i'm i'm sometimes i'm so out of the loop on other sports (laughs) 
<laughs> yes, yeah, so they won that, and that was, like, the city was alive for that. Like, there was, downtown was just a disaster, you know, but in the best way. Everyone came together, and that was something that, of course, Toronto has never seen before, and I don't know, will they see it again? Who knows? But... That was a, that was definitely a landmark. That was a, a milestone for the city. But in terms of tennis, so you're saying, or sorry, you're asking if the city comes alive yeah, to, to a certain to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. To a certain extent, you know, it, it's not a grand slam. You know, not everyone on the street knows that it's happening. But mm. again, it's definitely it's known about and it's talked about, mm -hmm. but. You know, I think I think that, for example, Tennis Canada is doing great right now because we not only have, say, Milos Raonic, you know, who unfortunately is injured right mm -hmm. now, but he was a big thing. Then, you know, you had Bianca, and right about the same time, but a little bit earlier, is when you had Shapovalov really mm -hmm. blow up, mm -hmm. right? So the, the Canadian flag has been doing some flying the past couple that's of years. That's right. Even starting with Bouchard, like, Yes. She, I don't want to say she was the start, or maybe she was the start, depending on how you look at mm -hmm. the timeline. Mm -hmm. The Canadian flag has been growing season by season, and I think it would be nice. I mean, well, I guess because we're in America, it feels like we're searching for the next American um, Grand Slam champion, maybe not named. Mm -hmm. And I say not necessarily me, but like the tennis, mm -hmm. the, the temperature of tennis feels like we're always looking for that next American champion. Um, I feel like maybe we should be looking for the next North American champion. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> some adopt, solidarity. Adopt who we can adopt on the the men's side. Um, speaking <laughs> speaking of adopting, this is a good time to talk about Felix and Dennis, actually, because I said I wanted to get into where they currently are in their tennis. Um, I know this is kind of like going off the path of our conversation, but it's okay. This is mm -hmm. when natural conversation happens. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> Where, what are some things for, for like, I guess right now I'm speaking to the tennis fan that is well aware of Felix Auger-Aliassime. What do you think those people are having? What do you think their conversations about Felix are looking like right now or sounding like right now? What do you think? We'll start with him. Then we'll, then we'll go to Shapovalov and then we'll go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Felix Ojeda-Aliassim, you know, he lost his first his first match, right? Mm -hmm. So Lajovic had beaten him, and I saw I was there in the stadium for the tail end of that. Which is so, not a that's not a good loss because even though people, by some degree, would say Felix has had in some degree again a tough mm -hmm. season, Dusan Lajovic from Serbia has had an even tougher season. You mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. He has not been putting together back to back wins on tours so far. Felix to come into that match and get a straight saw, straight saw, it's a, to get a to to get a straight sets loss. loss. Yeah, to get a straight sets mm -hmm. loss is mm -hmm. not perfect, especially going mm -hmm. into a Grand Slam where he has fourth round points to defend. And I I want to get your opinion on that because I feel like I'm constantly not maybe constantly is a bad word. <laughs> I feel like I'm, um, I'm occasionally, occasionally, <laughs> occasionally developing in, um, conversations where I feel like I have to back up 
FAA, Felix Andre Elliott mm-hmm. team, because mm-hmm. people are t- and like slowly starting to be like, well, maybe he's never going to materialize. And I'm just like, he just turned 21. Mm-hmm. So I kind of just want to like, I don't know. I just feel like there's so much um, good there that I feel like I have to defend him. <laughs> no, <laughs> he, absolutely. He, makes it, he, he doesn't make it hard like with his his being, but like his performances because tennis is so performance based people mm-hmm. are and, and 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 such a what have you done for me lately kind of sport if you aren't <laughs> if you aren't if you aren't like consistently bringing shock value to the sport they kind of they kind of forget about you in a little way in a, in a in a way and he isn't getting enough wins to where it's more than just a what if situation like or when when is it going to happen situation and then I'll tune in you know it almost like it started to build momentum at Wimbledon but mm-hmm. I thought it was going to build more and this has kind of been a step in the not right direction <laughs> yeah no you're absolutely right in the sense that I feel like I've heard him speak before there's there was some sort of an interview but again I'm going to paraphrase sorry excuse me paraphrase where he said that he needs to learn how to get angry because Mm. he he's kind of sort of that nice guy and we know both on the women's and the men's side you do need to have sort of a time when you just you get angry, you know something snaps, and or you you, you let want loose. you want the business clear. You want you want your <laughs> you want your game to be the one that rises to the top. You, you it has to yeah. be some selfish. I'm here to win this match kind of energy, kind of like exactly throwback Serena 2007 energy. Exactly. <laughs> those That's that, a great those that know those that know know. They know exactly. So I mean, what's Felix? You're right. It. it perhaps hasn't been the best but it's tough when he the fact is is before he turned 21 he's made seven finals eight which is still eight, even better eight finals <laughs> even better i right. mean unfortunately he hasn't materialized any of those into wins but that is just and i mean i'm saying just like it's an easy thing but that is just in quotation marks a mental thing and you know he needs to do some inner work you know he needs to find his inner game he needs <laughs> to do some meditation you know and and because I, I'm thinking he's playing such fantastic tennis mm-hmm. he's a hard hitter he's a strong server but then it's just something about the finals where he just shuts down and and something just doesn't click but you know he made it to the round of 16 at Wimbledon he actually also that was his first quarterfinals grandstand yes thank you thank you yeah and then he also made the semifinals at Halle Mm -hmm. and he made the finals at Stuttgart so he's yeah yeah. so he's had an amazing grass season right so Mm -hmm. it's interesting because I'd like to see him be an all-surface player right and mm-hmm. I think that he's he's slowly evolving into that. And again, like you said, he's so young. He has the time. I I, I do think time is on his side. I just mm-hmm. think um, he has so much potential. It's hard to not like want it, want it, want it now. And I feel mm-hmm. like everybody, like the tennis, the tennis pundits and the, and the 
I guess the temperature of his his camp or what his expectations lie is just very kind of behind the, mm-hmm. the track. Not that people would have expected him to win a Grand Slam yet, but I think people would have at least expected him to win one of those eight finals and, yes. and, and hold a title, especially when you have somebody like, for example, Sinner, who's one of their who's one of three titles on tour and is just turned or is, is turning 20 in August of this year. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, like there's room for improvement, but there's also room for improvement. So, and I mean that both ways, like there's room <laughs> for improvement. Like, like, yes, like it's kind of, it's, it's, um, I don't want to use the word treacherous, but like it's, there's room for error for things to go south in his game. But if you look at it, glass half, uh, full, which I guess is the more positive way, mm-hmm. he he's doing so good and still has room for improvement. So imagine once he finds that like extra corner of improvement that he needs, because that's, that's that's by and large all it is. You know, it's not like he's missing, or it's not like he's he's developing huge holes in his games in mm-hmm. his game that people are exploiting. He's just really kind of not bringing his best game that can compete with the be- the, the best players when it actually matters, when given the opportunity, you know? And he's not putting away the other players that are not where his ceiling is. Once he mm-hmm. figures out how to, like, fine-tune that, whether that be, like, post-match um, cool-down, because sometimes people feel like when they focus on that, that gives them better production, or pre-match warm-up or something in between. Maybe people are, like, really starting to engage with sports psychology. I don't know if that's a thing, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like once he finds whatever it is that allows him to get that small monkey off his back and, and lift a trophy on the ATP tour that he's shown that he's capable of, I feel like it'll start to just slowly chip away what we see as a dominant force on the ATP tour. Hopefully somebody, 100%. somebody should send this to him. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll at him. We'll at him. Well, what do you, what do you think about Shapovalov in the same vein? I feel like his chipping, like how I mentioned Felix, his like slowly chipping away at his best. Mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like Shapovalov's is a bit um a further along however it could be even further along um mm-hmm, I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm seeing growth in chapavala but i'm also not seeing like a huge step yet like the steps are being made but they're 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 noticeable steps and mm-hmm. um impressive steps but not leaps if that makes any sense mm-hmm. yeah yeah, no, Especially I Especially his performance in Canada. Actually, both of their performances, Felix and Dennis, in in Canada were not great showings, but it is Okay, we, of... get, we got it, Miles. We got it. I'm Canadian. <laughs> we got it. <laughs> they no, weren't it great, wasn't. It wasn't they weren't great, great showings. <laughs> it, they weren't great showings, but... I still took, I guess, to to put, like, more brighter tone on it. I'm still, like, very much so interested in what they do with the rest of this season and their career moving forward. Because Absolutely. Because so much good can come from them being the 
players that really are in the top five of tennis, you know? And I, I kind of envision that for them. And I, I, I love mm-hmm. to see it. Um, what are some other names that we can throw around that were in the mix in Toronto this season? I wrote down Casper Rude because he made the quarterfinals of a yes. Masters 1000 on a hard court. And he's been kind of um, subliminally in the news. Be- not, not maybe in the news is strong, but he went on a tear after Wimbledon that that clay court season after Wimbledon that nobody really can put their their minds to why exists he won he he won every single tournament that he participated in and that was Gustad Gustad and Kitzbull which which like um somewhere in the eastern European part of the world I'm guessing I want it I'm putting that in my map in my head (laughs) yes yeah but yeah you're right he was on a 14-match winning streak mm-hmm. before Tsitsipas pretty single-handedly stopped that train. But, yeah, you're right. Kasper Ruud is definitely one to watch out for. I think, actually, I was looking at the live ATP rankings um, in terms of the race mm-hmm. for the final. And, you know, Rude and Hercatch, <laughs> yeah, and Sinner, those are all guys that are kind of edging Shapovalov out of the mix, mm. right? So that's that's something to watch out for, for sure. Interesting. I think it yeah. will be a very interesting final eight this year, maybe mm-hmm. compared to maybe maybe other years. It'll be interesting because we don't know who is not going to be playing, who will be playing um and speaking of not playing i don't think we've we've made mention of the fact that rafa nadal the current number four ranked player and obviously you know who nadal is if you if you watch tennis but he (laughs) pulled out of the tournament citing the same foot pain that he was discussing um at the city open the week prior um and if you know anything about nadal like at the very beginning of his career, he had foot issues and he had to um, find a prosthetic that was able to work with his foot issues and allow him to perform and go mm-hmm. inside of his shoe. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's not unfamiliar with the, the injury or the, the, that area, but it is concerning because he added Washington, D.C. to the tournament or to, to his schedule of tournaments. And he did that intentionally to try to get reps because he wanted to do well at the U.S. Open. The injury to that foot, unfortunately, kind of flares up. And then now he pulls out of Montreal and he pulled out of Cincinnati as well. So that foot is, darn it, that foot. (laughs) (laughs) It just... he Like, if you watch his matches in Washington, um, glimpses of a Nadal that is a 20-time Grand Slam champion were there because th- that's what he is. They're always there. But he did not look comfortable. It is understandable with the foot injury, but it puts things in doubt for his chances at the U.S. Open if he's not playing any warmer tournaments between then and now. And he's pulled out of the two, um, that he, or t- he's pulled out of the two to three that he was going to perform to face so or to play so mm-hmm, it just you know question marks and hold your breath mentality kind of surrounds him at the current moment you know mm-hmm. yeah i think i think the u.s open is a big question mark um whether he needs more time because you know if we were talking about nadal 
being 21 years old, that's a different story, right? Mm -hmm. But considering that, again, the big three are really trying to preserve themselves and... Is it still a big three? I think they're they're a pretty big three. I mean, would you downsize? Would you downsize? I... It start maybe the downsize isn't solidified, but it's it's trending to getting there, um, especially with the news today of yes. Roger Federer pulling out of the rest of the season because he needs another knee surgery. Breaking mm-hmm. news! Breaking mm-hmm. news! Did not know that you're listening to this. Breaking news: Roger Federer will not be playing any tournaments the rest of the year. <laughs> well, it's not funny, but that was my newscaster breaking news voice. Um, <laughs> Nadal in the foot injury, and then basically Djokovic taking time off to kind of just reset before he attempts to do something that none of them have been able to do, and then no one's been able to do in years and years and years. Um, it's People are starting to use that phrase, Novak Djokovic versus the field, and it kind of mm-hmm. does feel, it, it feels that way. Field and feels. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I I understand what you're saying. I think at this point, everyone is just forever going to memorialize the big three mm-hmm. as, as the nickname because it doesn't seem like there's going to be a dominant force for a while. Like, if we take out Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, I can't see, you know, I think Medvedev is going to be a strong force. I think, you know, Zverev... I think, you know, Rublev, like, I think we're going to have those players and I'm not worried whatsoever about, oh, tennis is going to be boring now. There's no one to watch. I don't think that at all. I don't think, yeah, I don't think there's too much merit in that. Not too much. No, no. no. I mean, people that complain about that, I think. It's, I can, (laughs) I can see the perspective. Like, don't like, wow, everybody has a lot to not live up to or stand up. Well, I guess, yeah, a lot people have a lot to stand up to in regards to following up Roger Federer, Rafa Nadal, and Novak Djokovic. Just by the sheer numbers of it, it's going to be intimidating. But, mm-hmm. I mean, they were able to surpass Pete Sampras rather quickly, and nobody saw that coming. So who's to say that there's not some mm-hmm, generation... Mm-hmm. There's not some generation coming up that we don't even know yet that's going to completely blow that out of the water. Because sport typically, you know, I I think in tennis, it's proven itself to get a little bit better and grow a little bit better with more time that passes as far as the progression of it. At least that's the trend, even though tennis very much so tries to hold on staunchly to tradition. Um, Mm -hmm. Just you can look at the way points are constructed in just that manner, go from like the 70s and 80s to now, to now, and you definitely will see a different brand of tennis. So in that regard, we're growing and things mm-hmm. are modernizing, you know? Mm-hmm. No, of course. Well, Miles, I nominate you as one of the, as one of the new front runners. You were telling me you're, you know, you're practicing your tennis. I nominate <laughs> you. <laughs> to be a front runner? <laughs> Yes, absolutely. You said it's going to be someone we don't know about. So you know what? 20 grand slams, here you come. <laughs> if only, if only I got a racket, <laughs> if only I got a racket in my hand at the age of three or four and not 13 or 14. <laughs> <laughs> 
speaking of like three age three or age four, I think it's interesting that the women get like these narratives oftentimes of how long they've been playing tennis or like she picked up the sport at the tender age of five or like, you mm-hmm. know how they like shift the narrative mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is so interesting now when I look at the champion of Montreal on the women's side, Camilla Georgie, because every mm-hmm. time I, every time I watch her before this week, I just think of her name and think of like somebody that looks, um, like they almost defy age. <laughs> like she 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 looks so tiny and like petite and like almost she's unassuming in the way that she goes about. If you've never seen her play, I guess I'm trying my best to describe how you could expect her in your mind. She's just like the slightest blonde thing and just completely <laughs> completely rips the cover off the ball with little to no reckless abandon. And for the first time in her career at a huge event, that has actually lined up for her to win the title. And she beat some pretty great names along the way. I have to pull it up right now. But one of those names is Coco Goff, which was the most surprising one to me just on paper. Yes. Yeah. Well, her first her first round, she had defeated Mertens, which is who, yes. Which again, we know that Mertens has been sort of focusing on her doubles career again. Whether mm. it was with Sabalenka, but then Sabalenka decided to take her singles career further, and we'll talk about her a little bit later. But <laughs> um, but you're right, Georgie did. I mean, she. You're right. She is like five foot five and you're right she weighs you know i don't want to get into the body image of of women (laughs) but i'm saying you're right though she she's very unassuming but Mm -hmm. then you're watching her and she's going up against you know plishkova who is six one six two easily you know and yeah and i mean she's holding her ground and she does she was not blinking in that final like she was not overwhelmed it was it was such a sight to see and i think she has a it, it she has a poker face at the same time because mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. does get up she does get upset and there are moments when it kind of bubbles bubbles over but mm-hmm. by and large when you're looking at her face you can't tell what's going on you know um she just looks like she's out there to do her job and that is mm-hmm. that's that's respectable you know I guess because we're so close to the finals ending, I feel like I'm still processing it. Do you feel that way? <laughs> yes. Camilla, yeah. Camilla Georgie wins the... Canadian Open. Canadian Open. <laughs> the yes. National Bank Open, presented by go. Rogers Cup. <laughs> See? It has to... It, 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 it didn't even fall off the tongue that well. Yikes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, she was impressive, definitely. She is now up to, I believe her ranking is number 34. So she's she jumped from, like, ranked 
71, I believe. Mm. So she she just rose through that chart, pushed everyone out of the way, you know? <laughs> hmm. I wonder what a career high is because she has had success at a Grand Slam before reaching the quarterfinals of Wimbledon in 2018, losing to Serena. Yeah, interesting. Oh, okay, okay. She's a former top 30 player. Her career mm-hmm. high is 26 in 2018. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Maybe maybe one of those players that I always felt like if they actually got it together would really be a force, but never really saw a pathway to them actually getting it together because she's played mm-hmm. Serena. She's played Serena Cuff tough a couple different times. I think they've played at the Australian Open and once before pre-Australian Open in Auckland. And she most people can't actually hang with Serena for a long time in, in terms of just like toe-to-toe power but Georgie can Mm -hmm. do it in brief stints and when she does do it it's kind of like breathtaking in a way because you didn't expect that from her and when you keep Mm -hmm. when you keep expecting how do I how do I put this when you have such a sneaky development of power it kind of almost frustrates you your opponent even more because it's like where is this coming from? The ball isn't looking like I'm, it doesn't, it doesn't feel or look like I'm getting blasted around this court, but I am. <laughs> I can only mm-hmm. imagine what it feels no, like absolutely. to play her. When, like to play her this week, I, I can only imagine because she was just super in a zone, which is kind of something that she was known for, but it never resulting in something as, I guess, um, I don't, want, I don't want to be dramatic and say life-changing, but this is kind of life-changing for her, especially from a tennis achievement standpoint. I wonder if she ever thought she was going to be a Masters 1000 champion, and here she is. She's Exactly. She, she has the biggest payout probably of her career, and outside of the quarterfinal at the, at the Wimbledon Championships in 2018, her this is her shining moment. So congrats to... Camilla Georgie, and then the finalist, you got to spare a word for Carolina Pliskova because mm-hmm. she's turned her season around because I was definitely on the Pliskova might retire early train um, earlier in the season <laughs> just because the losses she was taking were very, um, they weren't necessarily tight. Um, she was losing to players definitely ranked far below her and it just didn't look it it didn't look bright but then something clicked at Wimbledon and now we have a Pliskova that looks like she is a player that has formerly been in Grand Slam finals semifinals quarterfinals and has been people forget sometimes world number one so it's good to see her back in the mix but also if this was going to be like the Pliskova 2.0 new and improved, she probably would have won this match to kind of seal that narrative uh, going forward into the U S open that she was a better player, but she kind of, for, for the, for a player that has so many titles as she has some big ones as well. Mm-hmm. Sometimes in the yes. biggest moments, she kind of shrinks her game. Just all of a sudden as effective as it was to get from round one to the final in the final, it, it, it becomes not as effective. You think it's nerves that has a, that has a part in that? Yeah, I think so. I mean, she also, if you, if you listen to her, she also is someone that's very self-aware. And mm-hmm. so when she won the semifinal match in her post-match interview, she said, 
I know I haven't been having the most luck in in finals this year. And she says, but we'll see how tomorrow goes. And she kind of, you know, she laughs it off. She has that sort of um, that European kind of Wit. humor about her. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but to be completely honest, I mean, she right now, she's ranked number four. Yes, she was, she was going into this tournament. She was ranked number six. She's currently ranked number four. So she's jumped up two spots with she's this trending. run. She's trending upwards. It, there we go. And she's also, I mean, she's the oldest one in the top 10, which is crazy to think about. It just kind of shows you how varied the top 10 is right now. And when you can kind of hit mean, your stride and hit your peak, it happens... Sometimes when yeah. you think you've expected it or sometimes it doesn't, you know? Exactly. And I mean, personally, I think she's had a great summer. She was a finalist at Rome where mm-hmm. Shriantek won. And I mean, We're the scoreline was a little... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> scoreline was a scoreline. Thank line. you. Yeah, that's, that's it. Um, she does, look, she does that- look cute with her runner-up trophy. She looks very happy. She looks happy, yeah. I'm, I'm looking so, over and looking at the trophy presentation now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but listen, so she was a finalist on clay. She was a finalist at Wimbledon, which, of course, is grass. Mm-hmm. And now she was a finalist here in Montreal, which is a hard court. So, listen, she's had three finals on three different s- surfaces. That, to me, is very impressive. So, personally, I would keep an eye on her for even if not just Cincinnati, also the U.S. Open, you know, she's definitely she's definitely someone to watch out for. For sure. And she's comfortable on Cincinnati courts and U.S. Open courts reaching the final in the U.S. Open in 2016 and winning Cincinnati in 2016 on her way to that Grand Slam final. So she's a player that, you know, I think I heard... Andy Roddick mentioned this the other day on Tennis Channel Live, how, like, we are so quick to give players that are um, court-specific their court-specific praise when describing Mm -hmm. them if their Mm court-specifics are on clay or on grass. But on hardcore, we never say, ooh, a great hardcore player. And although although Pliskova can and does have a game that is, um, how do I say this? Her game is adaptable to all different surfaces because of the strengths she has in her games and her weapons. However, mm-hmm. I think her they're they're at their strongest and she's at her most um, dangerous on a hardcore. And I think her results would would indicate that as well too. But those results don't get you the moniker of amazing hardcore player they just say mm-hmm. yeah great player mm-hmm. <laughs> no you're the right out of it as if the, the surface doesn't matter for hardcore when it, it is like for, we were talking about casper rude on the men's side like mm-hmm. he's a great player but he isn't necessarily thriving or his results aren't thriving on hardcore when you have somebody mm-hmm. like a pushkiba that's kind of doing the opposite but Castro Rood has this buzz around him for being such a great clay court player, whereas Pussy mm-hmm. would just be like considered kind of in the mix, you know, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it does. I, I was actually talking about this with my friend the other day, and I think the reason is that clay and grass are so specialized, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm assuming when you go to practice tennis, you're practicing on a hard court, 
right? Or cement you, or something. <laughs> well, pretty hard, right? <laughs> so, I mean, same with me, right? Like, everyone essentially starts out on hard. So I think that that's why hardcore is such an equalizer, right? You then when you get into say clay you say oh, okay you know the spaniards are good on clay because they have access to those courts more than say the americans do or grass court is a little bit more of like say an older generation thing so we saw um angelique kerber had an amazing grass court season this year mm -hmm. you know because she's been around it for a while now whereas the younger players you know andreescu wouldn't know what to do on a grass Osaka, court and that's, yeah, that's nothing they're not comfortable yeah, in it. Yeah, exactly. And maybe they'll never be comfortable, right? Like, it, it's so niche. Mm -hmm. So, but you're right, though. When we do describe hardcore, we just say, oh, they're they're a great player, right? Regardless mm -hmm. of saying, oh, on hardcore. <laughs> which would, um, I wanted which would, to get your opinion, though, whether there were any early exits that you were surprised about on you the were, women's side you were mentioning like spaniards and clay and like just certain, <laughs> certain nationalities and i was thinking there's a spaniard who i thought was am i am i do you, do you know do you know where i'm going of course i do <laughs> um I, I feel like there's a spaniard that was playing well at the beginning of the season her name is garbinia muguruza and I'm just a little concerned. Yes. I'm concerned that like the the wins aren't sticking together like they were at the beginning of the season. I thought this was going to be like a season that mm -hmm. solidified her. There's still room for that, I think. But I thought it was going to be a season mm -hmm. that like really saw her get back into Grand Slam finals, and we haven't quite seen that. Um, and there's not a trajectory or a trend that shows her moving forward. So that's concerning, as is um, Madison Keys, who had another early round exit, and she is not really trending mm -hmm. forward or, um, I was going to say, or downward. Because, you know, I don't want to be harsh on players and say they're trending <laughs> downward, but, like, that'll i'll leave i'll leave that where it is <laughs> so then yeah, to, to, yeah. Flip, to flip the switch and talk about players that actually had a very significant splash or like like players that i'm actually kind of excited for moving forward after on this tournament i would definitely say Anj jabor and jessica bagula because they play some of the best matches of the women's uh tournament just those two alone like all the matches that they were they were involved in were pretty entertaining to watch yeah, no, absolutely. Jabur, I, I absolutely love. I love how unorthodox she is. Um, I've heard her speak in an interview, I believe with Racket Magazine, and she had mentioned that there was a period in her career where she was kind of trying on coaches, right? Like, mm -hmm. do I vibe with this person? Do they understand me? Can they push me and whatnot? And I, she said, not by name, but she said she had a coach who was basically trying to push her to be and push her to play like mm -hmm. Maria Sharapova. And, <laughs> and she kind of laughed and she was like, I don't look like her i don't play like her you know there's nothing about me that that is that resembles her whatsoever so what makes you think i'm going to be able to play and, and strategize that. like yeah. that exactly um but i mean shaber is fantastic she's at a career high right now at um 
number 20. And she's the first Arab woman to do that. So she just keeps breaking through the glass ceiling. You know, the tennis world keeps on breaking or they keep on, sorry, building a ceiling mm -hmm. for her and she keeps on breaking through it. You know, she, she had her great run at Wimbledon where she made the quarterfinals. Um, she won her maiden title in Birmingham and that was in June where she beat uh, Kasatkina. So, I mean, she she's doing very well. I'm very excited to see what the rest of the year is going to look like her or for her. She, I was looking actually at her. She's had some of the best wins or most wins on tour this season, actually, which I think is like for a player, yes. for a player that, that the conversation used to be about her endurance or her longevity or her fitness to be mm -hmm. on tour, to be on tour on the court. For her to be in the conversation of most match wins this season kind of debunks those theories a little bit that, that she's not in shape enough to compete because clearly if she's winning the most, she's in, in, in shape enough to compete, at least in my eyes. No, 100%. 100%. And you also did mention Pagula, mm -hmm. who she definitely needs a shout-out because that girl was playing insane tennis this week. Every single one of her matches this week in Montreal was a three-setter. So she's that type to just come back. She doesn't, you know, she and just she got... She absorbs opponent's pace so well. Like, yeah. I don't... I, I, the, you know, people get people get monikered, like the Martina Hingis thing. Really, mm -hmm. that's a, that's an easy thing to go, th go to with a player. But for some reason, when I watch Pagula, that's actually kind of the vibe I get but a more modernized, like, powerful version. Her her ability to, like, change direction and anticipate comes with more of a, a packed punch, but it's definitely mm -hmm. Hingis-ish. Yes. When, when I was watching her match against Collins, I was just like, she can't really out-hit Collins that often, but she can outmaneuver her, and the, to see her do that was yes. just really interesting, you know? Yeah, no, you're right. And actually something interesting that I noticed today when I was looking into Jessica Pagula, mm -hmm. all of her top 10 wins came this year in 2021. So she has beaten Pliskova four times. That's four times. I feel like that's <laughs> that's a record. That's uh, definitely a, a marker in your season, beating the same player four times for sure. Yeah, exactly. And, and a top top 10 player at that right. but she she also no well Pugula also has wins over Osaka and Svitolina so I mean it's it's crazy because she has been around for a while um she's had I believe two injuries that sort of stopped her and she had to go through rehab and do all of that but she she's wonderful she has an amazing attitude anytime I hear her speak she's very understanding of her opponents and she's very gracious actually when she beat on Jabour, um she shouted out the tunisian fans that were in montreal wow. and she said you know what she said you guys are amazing you guys obviously didn't come here to see me win um but she said thank you so much for supporting ons and and it's it's amazing what she's do doing and i was like you know what that's incredible the fact that she's really she understands you know, the support and what her opponent is doing, you know, across the net. I think that that really, 
that says a lot. And there's not a lot of players that actively do that. So that was really nice to see. Yeah, super, super credit to Jessica Pagula because the more I get to know things about her, the more um, kind of in tune it feels like I've become with her her journey to like this level of tennis. And I think it's a really interesting one. So shout out to her. I, I kind of was hoping that she would get into the final and she mm-hmm. would be the one holding the trophy, but it's okay. You know, she lives to fight. <laughs> yeah. She lives to fight another day and she probably should That's take a right. break. She probably shouldn't go straight to Cincinnati and play tennis um, because she's played a lot of tennis, I believe. Yeah, she's played a lot of tennis this year. She's also kind of up there as far as players with the most match wins as well maybe not the top five Mm -hmm. she's up there and i'm expecting her to be somebody who i know if i was at the u.s open i wouldn't necessarily be ecstatic if i saw jessica bagula's name (laughs) in the draw so like i would i would rest up and try to take advantage of like being that kind of player you know that can really break a draw open and make some noise for yourself jessica bagula if you're listening Uh. (laughs) um (laughs) Some other players that kind of had, um, like I like to call splashes, or I guess in this person's um, in this person's case, I'm speaking of Victoria Azarenka, kind of return to memory moments. Not that I ever forgot about Victoria Azarenka, but it's always like a, you know, how certain players love the opening of a fresh can of tennis balls, and it's like that certain sound <laughs> that that signifies yes. fresh. And like ah mm-hmm. something new, something it's it's something about the way Azarenka's career has been, um, just kind of maneuvering itself over the past couple seasons. Every time she gets in on like a good form or in a good run, I'm reminded of just how nice it was to have her at the top of women's tennis. At this point, wow, almost ten years ago, you know, she was. Mm-hmm, at the top of the mm-hmm. game in 2012 and seeing her again we were talking about players that don't get credit for being a good hardcore player Azarenka is a darn good hardcore player and she's been to the semifinals of the tournament in Canada Canada multiple times the quarterfinals this go around and just the finals of, of last year's 2020 US Open so Mm-hmm. Another player that I wouldn't necessarily want to see in my draw coming at the U.S. Open soon. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. It was, um, I mean, it was a little bit shocking that she did lose to Sabalenka in straight sets. Um, but I think there's something about Sabalenka's game. And when it's on, it's really on. And the aggressiveness is is really it's, tough it's, to it's counterpunch. Like a, it's like a juggernaut almost. And I don't know yes. if that, I hope, I hope, I don't think that's offensive. I don't think. No, don't think no. It's offensive. I don't. <laughs> but when I, when I think about her game, <laughs> I think about something that can't be stopped unless they stop it. <laughs> like she just has that kind of style of game. Yes. It's mostly in her arm, almost, almost more like Thor with his hammer. Like if she swings it and she's the one <laughs> on the shot, then she's in charge of what's going on out there. You know, <laughs> And no, hundred percent. I, mean, I she got to the semifinals in this tournament. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She lost the Pliskova, the eventual finals. Yes, yes. 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 Exactly. Yeah. No, Sabalenka. I think most of the games that I've seen with her, or most of the matches, if not all of them, are always on her racket. Mm-hmm. So it's either is she having a good day where she is just gonna 
blast the opponent off the court or she, you know, something is a little bit off. And I mean, I experienced that as a completely amateur level player, right? Like there's some days where, you know, your, your serve just isn't going in and it's like nothing you can do to change that. Mm. So sometimes I feel like Sabalenka, she might, I don't know. I mean, I, I, she doesn't really, uh, it's the, it's like the, the classic almost plan B plan Mm -hmm. C scenario with some Mm -hmm. tennis players and like the, their lack of a really cohesive plan B and plan C that, uh, that doesn't really allow them to perform when plan A is not going well, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like they don't have it it flushed out about what to do when their type of style of game isn't the one that's really dictating um, the points. And it's like, oh, you know, abort mission, abort mission, or they try their best and it just kind of starts crumbling. And that's kind of what I think of when I think of Azarenka. Um, Not Azarenka, sorry, Sabalenka. Um, Yes. But I do think she, again, when all the missions in her mind are set on one thing and she's playing lights out tennis, it's like a juggernaut and there's very few people that can stop that if she's in the right kind of frame of mind and level in her game you know a hundred percent so she's yeah. another one to look out for at the u.s open i, I think i mean I, I wouldn't be surprised if any of the finalists or semi-finalists of this tournament go deep at the u.s open just because mm-hmm. i was watching i was watching some throwbacks of it was 2009 toronto um i believe it was a matchup against Andy Murray and Juan Martin Del Potro in the final. Mm. Juan Martin Del Potro got to the final and ended up winning the U.S. Open. So I was mm-hmm. like, okay, maybe maybe good wins in Toronto are an open. <laughs> if Medvedev is 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 hoping, maybe, well, maybe Opelka should be hoping that's a good omen for himself getting to the exactly. final. Exactly, exactly. Wouldn't that wouldn't that be something if Opelka oh, is man. the person that that breaks the we haven't had an American male tennis champion in 65 years thing. Yeah. He's like, <laughs> well, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> that would be, I mean, I would, I would, I would have no choice, but to, you know, congratulate him because that's a feat in of itself. And he, although he might not have been like the one everybody was hailing to do it, it would be, it would be interesting. And I feel like his responses would be, kind of funny <laughs> yeah oh for sure i can see how he's not everybody's cup of tea but i can also see how people would also love him at the same time you know mm-hmm. oh yeah so we've we've talked a good bit about toronto and canada before we wrap up i just wanted to get your kind of vibe on some of the players that are going to be playing in cincinnati that did not play in um toronto we already know, or if you don't know, the big three, Roger, Rafa, Novak, are not playing in Cincinnati. But I do believe we're going to have Medvedev, um, we're going to have Zverev, and mm-hmm. the other the other ATP Avengers that are trying to <laughs> knock to knock down um, Thanos, that is Djokovic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the two names on the women's side that I'm kind of interested to see where their level is, is world number one, Ashley Barty, who just won Wimbledon, and then um, I believe Osaka is a, is still world number two in the world, and yes. she, she she won the Australian Open this year, and she's also the defending champion at the 2020 U.S. Open and the 2020 um, Cincinnati Masters. So, 
yes. interested to see where she kind of finds her group. She's just made a pledge to donate her money to um, earthquake Haiti. relief efforts. Yeah, Haiti, Haiti yeah. relief, yeah. Yeah, so that's cool. And I think she likes playing for a mission other than just herself. It kind of, uh, in a way, because she's, if you've watched the documentary and I've talked about it in prior episodes, because she's such like an introverted person, I think sometimes her being on the pedestal like causes super anxiety. Whereas if she replaces it with a mission or something or someone else to fight for, she becomes a more focused on the task type person. And we'll see if that happens again in um, Cincinnati and U.S. Open. I'm not like saying she's going to be a champion again, but you know, you never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah, no, Cincinnati is is interesting because on the women's side, you have pretty much everyone in the top twenty playing, mm-hmm. except for Kennan, and then. Mm-hmm. I, don't yeah. know if Kenan, I don't know if Kenan deserves an episode all to herself, but something <laughs> something is something's up. Something's brewing. Camp. Yeah, yeah. Something, something's going on. I'm not quite sure I'm liking it or sure of what the hell is actually going on, but something's going on. <laughs> yeah, something's happening. And then, I mean, you did mention how we won't have the big three on the men's side, but mm-hmm. also Serena and Venus are missing on the women's side. And yep. apparently this is between... Toronto and Montreal and Cincinnati not having any of those big names. It's the first time in 20 years that we won't have any of them playing. So that's pretty wow. crazy because that's an entire generation that's always known these big names. For um, big na- being big names and being at big tournaments, you know? Yeah, exactly. So I'm really looking out to, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of great first round matches. Um, I mean, Barty could face Azarenka in the Ooh. third. Well, that's in the third round. But again, Azarenka is the defending champion, mm-hmm. right? Um, um, Sloane Stevens got a wild card. So always a dangerous floater. Yeah. So she could face Muguruza in the second round. Um, I think one of the best first round matches is Zachary versus Kerber. That that's should that's be very interesting. Yeah, <laughs> could yeah. be could be spicy. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that is for sure. And then I know this one kind of made the rounds on social media as being almost like a troll on Cincinnati's end. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they have the Olympic gold medal match as a first round, so Between they have who? Ben, Benchich and Vondrusova. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> wow! Yeah, so, I mean, again, then you have potentially, I think, Goff and Osaka could face off in the second round um, because Osaka does get the first round by, right? So, mm. yeah, very, very interesting. Lots of great matchups, especially in first rounds on the women's side. The men's side, things really start to heat up, I think, in the second round mostly. But, yeah, I mean, do you think that whoever goes far here is also going to go far in the U.S. Open? I think whoever has done well in Montreal and in um, Cincinnati are going to do well mm-hmm. on... But, well, potentially. You, you just... Yes, yeah. With the... <laughs> <laughs> I know I call the ATP, like, the Avengers going to, like, take down Thanos and Djokovic, but... Yeah. 
the WTA is like the Avenger tryouts. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah. so many, yeah. there's so many, there's an array of different talents and um, weapons and storylines. It's just that we don't know who to really call on when the stakes are down. There's not like a set team yet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas at least with the men's, there seems to be a superhero team forming or at least yes. players you can put in there for like kind of solid mention not so much on the on the WTA side so we could I mean this season has shown it in certain regards but I mean (laughs) uh, the the players typically do like this time of the year there are players that are getting that are getting warmer as far as their their trending like Victoria Azarenka we mentioned um we mentioned Sabalenka she's going to be in this tournament again so I mean also, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Swiatek kind of plays because I don't think she... Yeah, the U.S. Open was played before she was a Grand Slam champion. Ah, mm-hmm. I just had a flashback moment. Swiatek lost to Azarenka at the 2020 U.S. Open before she went on to win the 2020. Okay, so yes. That, that yes, was a good, good point. That was a good match. Um, so I think both of them, I mean... I mean, maybe I just thought of a, a potential final. Look at that. <laughs> I mean, Shriantek Shri- might get Jabur in the second round. So, I mm. mean, there's a potential final ousted for you. I apologize. I, darn it. <laughs> oh, well. But you never know. Listen, you never know. Jabur's had a, had a busy... She's had a busy summer, so maybe... I mean, like you said, the women's side is so volatile but in the best way. Like, I, I don't... It's, it's interesting to watch. Like, I, I'm not one of those people that are, like, the... the Everybody's seen a Twitter troll. So, like, mm-hmm. the, 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 the easy Twitter troll thing to do is to just call the WTA, excuse my French, a shit show or a circus yeah. or there's yeah. nobody leading the crowd. But if you actually watch and pay attention, that factoid is actually what makes it interesting to watch, to mm-hmm. see who kind of comes through the raging fire week to week to week. At least that's how I would market it. The WTA could do some better marketing <laughs> um, of the packaging that they have. But like yes. we just, I just sat here and called them like the uh, Avengers ready to assemble team. That yeah. could be something along the lines that plays that up. Kind of like ATP Media has... Uh, they have a, a come see behind the scenes, AKA get to know the player better. Yes. Like yeah. they have so many of those little media packages and the WTA doesn't at all. There <laughs> is, there is on that same note, there is something that is coming out that is, I don't know. If it's supposed racket, to unite the tours. Yeah, Racket mm-hmm. magazine, magazine is working on, yeah, the WTA and the ATP finally having interviews together and having fun together, which, mm. again, seems like it's a no-brainer, but I guess it's a big step because they are two different organizations. Mm-hmm. But that's something that I'm very interested in and very excited about. Well, I mean, I think ATP tennis or like, yeah, ATP media definitely has a blueprint for making players weaving them into the fabric of our lives as it stands mm-hmm. in a digital world in 2021 ATP media is doing that at a much better rate than WTA so maybe 
<laughs> maybe we're all going to be playing under the ATP um, name, just Association of Tennis Professionals, and there won't be a gender associated to it, and everybody's going to be playing. Maybe? I don't I know. Mean, I mean, <laughs> we could hope. I mean, gender <laughs> equality, but yeah, who knows? Right. There's, there's a lot of, obviously, negotiations and union talks and everything that has to happen, but mm -hmm. we'll see it's going to be an interesting hardcore season for sure. And I'm glad that you were able to like actually come onto the show and give us like, I like to call it a pulse of how the matches were in Toronto. Um, and before we wrap up, I just wanted to uh, let you let the listeners know where they can actually find you on Twitter, because you also have a Twitter account that, in my opinion, leads you to wanting to watch more tennis when you see the numbers, if you're a numbers kind of person. So I'll let you have the floor on that one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> of course. No, thank you. Um, well, you guys can find me and follow me at The Tennis Stats. And I mean, honestly, anytime I ask all of my followers, I say, listen, if there's anything that you're interested in, just let me know. I'll do my best to kind of dig through the, the, the data. And because sometimes it's a little intimidating to do that. There's a lot of raw data out there and people chart matches and, and it's crazy the amount of work that people put into it. But again, it's a little intimidating for someone that just wants to see an easy to digest little piece of, you know, a little nugget of information. Again, anytime you guys are, are wondering, actually, Miles and I were speaking yesterday about how funny it would be for me to find out everyone's horoscopes. And, you know, <laughs> yes, and, and right, do, right. yeah, and do like a, a little bar graph to see, you know, how many Leos are there in the top 50, how many, you know, Gemini's or, or cancers and whatnot. So that that could be a little project that I work on maybe hmm. before the US Open. We'll we can see. work we can work together on getting the data because I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind partaking in their research project. Yeah, no, we'll <laughs> see. That could be fun. That would be you know, super just fun. For sure. For sure. As was as was this. This was super fun. Like a hundred percent. I am so glad that we collaborated and I'm glad that we have like our tennis Twitter spheres have come to merge and hopefully <laughs> this isn't the last time that you are a guest on the podcast because once a guest on the podcast always a guest on the podcast and in my mind you know I like have talked talk to so say like friend to the show or maybe that mm -hmm. maybe that's what Wendy Williams does and that's what I think <laughs> But I feel like once you come on to the doing? show, how you doing? <laughs> I feel like once you come on to the show, you are officially a friend of the show. So you're always welcome back. And I appreciate the tennis stats on Twitter for sure. Well, I am grateful for you, Miles, and for all the work that you do. You put in so much work and effort into these podcasts, into you know, your Twitter feed and and everything. So Absolutely. I'm grateful that our paths, um, they crossed. And I think that everything is meant for a reason. And for sure, I'm, I'm looking forward to our future collaboration. So thank for you sure, again. Because next, next year, they're going to be switching and the men are going to be in Montreal. The women are going to be in Toronto. Hopefully, I'm, right. hopefully I'm in one of those cities while the tournament is happening. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And we can go to one of the matches. Look at that. There we go, and you'll learn the Toronto slang. <laughs> and, I, and I'll eat some, eat some poutine. Mm, well, in Montreal, Toronto is... Uh, Toronto doesn't really have... Uh, 
Uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I've been. Maybe we should save that for Montreal. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that then. <laughs> well, thanks. Thank you again, Miles. I appreciate it. Thank you. That was really, really awesome. I'm back, guys. Wasn't that a good conversation between Pauline and I? I thank her again for coming on to the show, and I really want her to come back so we can get all of the conversation going and continuing about tennis north of the border because for whatever reason can i was gonna say canadia <laughs> canada has always interested me and like i was saying in the uh, conversation i've only been to toronto twice i would love to bump that number up a couple times and just enjoy the culture and possibly enjoy some tennis while i'm there as well so to wrap things up if you enjoyed what you heard in today's episode please do check us out on all social networks at missing point pod we're on clubhouse and we just cracked over 380 members in the hashtag tuned into tennis which is my clubhouse that i moderate and schedule rooms on clubhouse so we can talk about tennis live as it's happening we just cracked over 380 members which is awesome also check us out on instagram and twitter at missing point pod Uh, subscribe to the podcast as well so you get notified of new episodes review the show not to sound like a beggar here but the more you review the show whether on google or apple the bigger the show gets the more people actually see the show and the higher the show climbs so that would be great also there's more information in the podcast if you'd like to support the podcast there's a link that says buy me a coffee so you can support my frappuccino habit that is mildly under control (laughs) and don't forget to send us your questions send us your questions send us your questions to missingpointpod at gmail.com and when i say send us your questions guys i really mean that i really want my email to be flooded with questions about me my friends well not so much about my friends about about me (laughs) and questions about just things that you've always or maybe wondered that i haven't answered on the show i would love to answer them in the getting to know me q a portion of the show that i'm going to produce and then also on the tennis related side ask me your tennis questions some burning tennis questions you've always thought about and maybe you haven't heard answered in a podcast format before i am going to do my best to answer all of them in this q a episode that i am looking forward to and to look forward to it even more i need you guys' questions so if you're listening to this go over to your email i'm sure it's only a couple of clicks away and shoot me a question it'll be on the podcast the Q&A podcast, and I will definitely let you know that I've received it and it will be answered on the show. So that is it for today's episode, guys. Make sure you are taking good care of yourselves, wearing your mask. Things are looking interesting outside in these streets, and I want all of my listeners to be as careful and as safe uh, as they can. So until next time, guys, take care, have a great week, and I will talk to you soon. Bye-bye.